Hey, what's up? This is Michael, and this is a quick introduction to this dungeon talk. Just wanted to explain why it was out of sequence. This is number 21, why the last one that we posted was 23. And essentially what happened is we recorded this dungeon talk right after our final Made Men's game. And it kind of contains sort of an overview of the entire campaign, and then specifically the last uh, session and last couple episodes. And I didn't want to post this to spoil anything for those of you who were listening to the Made Men's in order and hadn't got that far yet. So here you go, Dungeon Talk number 21, The End of an Error. Welcome to Dungeon Talk! Higher level learning for your tabletop game. Because you botched when you rolled for initiative. Here's Evan and Michael. Hey, what's up? This is Evan. And Michael. Nico. And Travis. And Nick. And Rob. And this is Dungeon Talk episode 21. Alright, on this Dungeon Talk episode, we're going to do it a little different, th- different than we have in the past. Um, we're not going to do the mailbag and the different topics and the tabletop like, uh, like we've done. Um, last week, we wrapped up. That's really convenient. The, <laughs> I know. Right the furnace behind me just kicked on. <laughs> um, last week, we wrapped up Michael's Made Men game, which, if you've been listening to those podcasts on our website... Um, is a crazy time traveling open world um, demon spawning uh, hell and back game um, that took us. We probably played it for at least six to nine months. I would say if you count the time that we were, I was off sick, it's been about a year from when we started. So we finally wrapped it up, and our our last game that we played was interesting. We, well, I was. It was a. I've actually never finished a game before. I've never wrapped one up like that. Neither have I. That's one of the things I wanted to talk about, that in my 25-odd years of playing, I've never said the end on a campaign. It's always been everyone got killed, or somebody just wants to try a new character, or I get a new idea for a game. I have never actually said the end on a game before. Well, what was that like to you? (laughs) It was interesting. Was it satisfying wrapping it up? No. I wasn't for me either. No. And that's and that's one of the things I wanted to talk about. And this isn't like a therapy session for me as a DM. But I do want to talk a little bit about that process because it was a little bit weird. Do you do you want to start with the end? what happened in the end? Sure. I'll, I'll wrap it up for those of you who haven't listened. So essentially what happened is the characters traveled through. Well, they actually didn't travel through time. The characters' time changed around them. And you guys were protected from that. So just like Back to the Future 2, you went back to town and everything had changed and it was different and you were the only people that seemed to have realized it and noticed it because you're the only one that didn't experience the same timeline. You found out that Zane's brother, who had manipulated his way into becoming the king, was going to raise an army of demons with the goal of going back through time to fight the Gestarians on the day they came through and winning the war and never having the earth taken over or the world taken over. So you guys decided that the way it was explained by the, the old tiefling woman is that if that happened, then it would be even worse than the Gestarians because the, because your brother was delusional. The demons were not going to cooperate. And if he opened this giant portal, the demons were going to pour through and just ravage the world. They had no desire to go back in time and fight anything. And, and the power that your brother had over the demons, through those, those bracelets was not limitless. And he was barely keeping the demons in check as it was. And if he brought all these others in, they would overrun the world and kill everybody. So your solution to the problem was to go back in time to when Zane was a little boy, kidnap his family, his dad and his brother, take them really far back into time, and let them live out their lives normally so that the time travel never actually occurred. That was our way of preventing the 
preventing my brother from going back in time and preventing him from raising this demon army. Yes. And so you didn't without, stop the, without killing him, right? Yes. Yeah, that was the, that was the main thing. Was yeah. that everyone else gonna, was okay with killing him? Right. Zane of course. Was like, I'm not going to kill my brother. So that was the solution to not killing him, but removing him from the ability to do these things. Going into it, did you think that we were going to kill him? Go, no. we were, did you think we were going to travel back in time and kill him again? Or did you think we were going to try to avoid killing him? Well, this, there's so many points, and we talked a little bit about it at the end of the game. There are so many points where this game just turned. And it did not end up anywhere near where I thought it was going to. So I didn't really have the answer. Like, I didn't have an answer like, this is what they need to do. What I thought you would probably do is go back to the time when he, right at the same point that he went back in time, and kill him, and then keep him from doing it. So essentially you would have killed one version of him, the other one would still have been alive, and then try to keep him from ever doing this. So he wouldn't have, basically would have kept him from doing what he did. So you would have killed the powerful version of him, but his original self would still be alive. But again, I was just thinking through it just like you were. I didn't have like the solution I wanted you to do. Yeah. So the, just, the way it was explained to, to me through the phone was that the fear was that somebody else might have the same idea. Yes. So, they so you also destroyed the time machine after, right. after you went back in time. And then what you get, so you took dad and brother way back into history and Travis's character, Quarian and Nick's character, Ralph decided to stay with them and make sure they integrate into elf society. And then everybody else went up back into the future about a hundred years before any of you were born so that you could live out your lives in Mariposa, but never see yourself, interact with yourself, create a paradox and blow up the world. And I like it, to picture Corian explaining to his people that these are the future antichrists <laughs> and they have to live with us now well, he to actually, prevent he the actually, world from ending. He, he wrote me a note. You want to tell him what you actually did? I, I actually wrote a note to the DM saying that uh, two weeks after being back, they, we killed them. <laughs> <laughs> so, yes. So there's that. Um, but then in typical Michael fashion, I couldn't just say, okay, it was the end, so that you guys were like 100 years in the past, and you're going through town, and one day you go into a bar, and Graydon's there. And he's like, it's about time you showed up. We need to talk. So Graydon was alive in both times and apparently knew everything that was going on. But that was just a little Michael flair I had to throw in at the end, just in case we ever wanted to continue that game out. Um, but the thing that I want to talk about most, and feel free to, to, to jump in, is... Endings are really hard. I mean, really hard. I think most books, like I love Stephen King, but most of his endings aren't that great. The story is fantastic, but I think it's hard to write an ending that feels satisfying. A lot of movies are like that for me. Like I, That's why I always like in almost every trilogy, I like the first movie the best because I'm really good at beginnings. As a writer and as a DM, I think I do really good with setting up a cool story. It's just hard to keep it going. And I think that DMing is a lot like a TV show where there's a lot of middle. You know, you have this interesting setup, but then you have seven seasons. Not a whole lot can really happen, or you'll change the premise. And then how do you write a, con a satisfying conclusion? I think, you know, Lost is a great example. wasn't really satisfying for a lot of people. Yeah, so, yeah. I, I would agree. <laughs> so I'm just, it's, it, I don't know that I could have. I liked the Lost I actually ending. did too, but most people didn't. But I just think that it's really hard to craft an ending that would have been satisfying, particularly for all of you, but for the most part, any of you that would really feel... Because I didn't really like the way it ended either. But it got to the point where it was ridiculousness stacked on top of ridiculousness. That if we had kept going, it, it just... It was getting out of control. Personally, I, I really liked the ending to my character. Being... Find out that I was actually the prophet and before time. Yeah, and that worked out very well as a happy little accident. But yeah, I thought that was a very cool thing that we turned out your character was the original impetus that people knew that the, the attack was coming years and years and years ago so that was a kind of because so your your character probably had the best arc <laughs> out of anybody uh yeah ralph <laughs> uh, I, think, I think the challenge is because you didn't know the story was going to end coming up with a good ending on the fly it's almost impossible to do and the other thing is time travel creates complications yes as you, as I'm sure you discovered. Oh, absolutely. And, well, one of the things that I've done, and, and me and Evan talked about this at the beginning, 
is that I specifically wanted this game to be an open-world sandbox game. It was sort of like an experiment. Like, could I just run a game that I didn't really have a lot of plan? And really, most games I made up based off the game before. Like, wherever you guys were, I just tried to figure out where you would go next. I didn't have, like, I didn't force you anywhere. I never, at least I didn't try to. So I just, what I would do is figure out, okay, based on what happened today, what's the next thing that's going to happen? And trying to continually ump, uh, up the tension and the, the drama and keep things exciting, I had to keep making it bigger and bigger and bigger. And that's where, I, at the end, it was this world-changing demon invasion where the game started as the Sopranos. I mean, you guys were a bunch of oh, criminals yeah. in a city, and then by the end, you're time-traveling demon killers. Like, <laughs> that was not the plan. And well, you said you didn't want it to get to that I point. I didn't. That was my goal. My, yeah. If I wrote anything down, it was, do not let this become a world devastation campaign, and it fucking did anyways. Well, did, I was like, uh, most TV, so, sorry, you want to go ahead? Oh, I, I wanted to say, with that, though, I was a little bit... The ending was, you know, so-so, but just how you've explained already but i i was happy that it was over with because how i said like i started to lose connection with omi like that's not the omi that i started playing the game with that i enjoyed playing right. and then it turned into this thing well maybe i'll be able to start enjoying this character more and i just i started losing it and i was like you know I don't care about this character as but, much as and is that everybody because, else. Did. Is that because yeah. we got away from the things that Omi, that, like the small story bounty hunter criminal thing? Because like that made the, it fun. The big early thing with you was the Rexan addiction. It was great. Everything with that was fantastic. But by the end, that wasn't a. I mean, we did. We did oh, really. Yeah, talk yeah about the game turned into something more than what it was anticipated to be. Yeah, and I, th- I think what you mine was just a short-term character that. I think the game started to more revolve around my character as it went on, and we lost the fun intricacies and the fun little details of the group, uh, you know, which is probably, you know, that's what, you know, the first Star Wars is is all the characters coming together and, you know... Han picking on Luke and you know Luke's a little kid that's trying to learn and you're seeing Han and Leia like go back and forth yelling at each other for the first time and that's all fun but then as the story progresses it turns from that into this big huge world epic, yeah. epic thing um, but I think sometimes like it does endings sometimes don't feel good when there's not a climax near the ending um, I think my wife does this all the time where like she climaxes if, near the if, end. Yeah. We're watching a movie and <laughs> it's not over until she climaxes. Uh, we'll be watching a movie and the credits will roll and she'll go, what? Like, that's it. Like, that's how it ends. And it's, and it's not because there, like, there wasn't a clear, concise climax near the end where, you know, the bad person was killed or so-and-so was put in jail or so something like that. No Country for Old Men probably wasn't satisfying for her, was it? I don't even think she stayed awake through that. <laughs> um, I thought that was a satisfying movie. I loved that movie. That was it a was great movie. Very, it just ended rather abruptly. Yeah, it, completely abruptly. It took me by surprise, but I was like, okay, I guess I can... I felt like our game, it had an awesome first act, a, real, a pretty good second act, where we ended up like fleeing, we were in the desert, we met Corian, and we started, the second act is like where we started to f- start figuring things out, like the tower and the time machine. And then the third act was kind of like we met the secret race of people and the demons were unleashed, but then the, but then the third act just kind of, there wasn't a... There wasn't an exploding Death Star in the third well, act. In the third act, well, could that be because of the choices we made as characters? Though you see what I'm saying, like we, it, yeah, I wasn't in the last could. game, but it seemed like we made decisions that led us to a path. Right? If you think about it, we made decisions that led us to a certain path. We decided, hey, well, I guess Grexler was kind of stuck because he ended up being at, at the at the mines, but. You decided to basically hang out with your brother. Omi decided to quit drugs, so apparently you have to keep, keep doing drugs so you can find your character interesting. <laughs> but well, oh, no, no, no. no I mean, all the mischievous joking. stuff, though, that he was getting into outside of just doing the... I mean, it was like 
my character was able to lie or be misleading to you guys because that's just the way that character was. And for this group to actually be good, I had to quit doing drugs and be honest with everybody. And I just felt like, well, now my... You lost this, this, fun, this fun, crazy character is no more. Yeah, he's kind of a milk toast at this he's point. He's just a... He doesn't do anything. And then when we got back, then I I didn't know my way around town like I used to. I wasn't street savvy <laughs> it anymore. Just wasn't I was the just same like, man. Thing. Yeah. When well, he wasn't high. And there were, there were so many points. Again, I can't emphasize this. There were so many points where you guys did things, and I was just, again, just trying to get in front of you and just try to keep it interesting and keep it exciting that I made decisions that if I had sat down and sketched them out, I probably wouldn't have. Because I'm not saying that you guys messed up and that's why it went that way. It was me trying to keep it interesting in front of you. And can I, we can talked you about give that an example of that? Well, like, my first goal, you guys started at, I think, third or fourth level, is I wanted you to stay in the town just doing criminal stuff for several levels. Like that was the immediate goal was I'm going to have you do criminal stuff, in, you know, infiltrate other gangs, have some gang wars, and just learn more about these other gangs I created over time for several levels. And then early on, I tried to raise the tension and have somebody put a bounty out on Zane's head which caused you guys to that leave was, town. That was the changing point. That was a that's, very, yeah. that's when Zane wanted to leave the town. Yeah, that was the very first point where you're like, okay, we have to get out of town because I'm in danger. So, and again, I'm not saying you guys did anything wrong, but that I was like, oh, crap, well, now what? So then I'm like, okay, well, you're going to the desert. I, I got some cool stuff in the desert because I knew the tower was there the whole time. I knew there was a time machine on top of it. That was And the elves was, was cool. It from was the different. beginning, like all that stuff was stuff I already had. Uh, so then the, the next part that really turned was when you guys didn't go through the time machine. Because originally I would planned that when you got to the time machine that I thought you'd go through it on the settings that were already there, which would immediately have put you right behind your brother because he had just gone through to do what he did. So you would have been like, basically the way the time machine works, you would have walked out at the same time he did, and you would have been standing there right with him. That game, there was like an internal struggle but for you me to go outside of the game and then my character inside of the game because me outside of the game was th- like let's jump through this portal but in the character in the game i was going there's no reason fucking way that right. i'm just there's well, no reason and there's no way again, that my character I screw, would I just screwed this up because evan and i talked about this there was supposed to be evidence in the room of someone else going through that would have let you know that it was actually a portal because the the old characters you guys were chasing and wasn't this like right after you got out of the hospital probably yeah I think and it your was. brain was My all brain messed probably up wasn't working and so you left out I left out this really important I left detail. out a bunch of really important things so my goal was that you would go through the t- portal not knowing what it was not a time machine but you probably thought it was a portal so you would basically walk in right behind your brother now either I thought you would attack him and then your your sword would give you a chance or I was hoping you just follow him. And see what he was up to. Because you didn't know he was your brother at the time. And then that would have been the first time that you would have saw Graydon 20 years ago. And he would have had the same age and he would know you. And that would have been the first hint that there's something really up with him. Um, So that was like one of the first big things that really screwed things up. And then the, the last one is when you guys came back and the city was different. That was supposed to be a really long segment where you were trying to figure out who was demons, who wasn't. I wanted you to set up like these traps where you were killing demons and then running away. Like I had, it was almost like a supernatural, the TV show where I wanted you guys to be like demon hunters for several levels, just trying to figure out who the main demons were. And then the big thing, and again, I'm not blaming you guys, but the way it worked is when you attack the King, (laughs) that was the part that just like, Oh fuck, we're off the rails now. So hold on though, because before we attacked the King, we could tell, we had the device that we could tell who was demon and who was right, not. Right, but you had a limited supply of it, and it was, that was just to let you know it was possible that if you, t- if you took the drugs, it was possible on occasion. You knew the guards were, but the regular people, you didn't. Uh, so I, th- that I, was think, supposed- I think, you, well, from my perspective, it felt like, I mean, I was keeping a, a, a count, if you remember. It was like 1,000 or yeah. 999 or whatever I was, I was counting down. It felt that there were so many demons that we couldn't start hunting them down. To me, at least. I don't know how everybody else felt. To me, it felt like 50% of the population plus all the guards are demons. Well, it was 10% plus all the guards. But, but regardless, like, right. it, it felt it so large that it felt like we could never... 
See, and I think that's again me just trying to stay ahead of you, make it interesting and exciting. Is I wanted to be high enough that you didn't say, "Well, we'll just kill them all." You know, so it was just a number I made. That was up. my plan initially. I know, and I just <laughs> want, I wanted to make it where I wanted you guys to be like sneaky attack. I didn't want you to just walk around and put your feet on the sand and go, "Okay, oh, we're just going to kill everybody." You know what? The other thing was the fact that they knew when some one of them died or got attacked. We weren't clear right. when they knew, but. That was the so from Grexel's perspective because the the difficulty with Grexel was he was intelligent that he was supposed to pretend he was dumb, but then there was no purpose to pretend to be dumb because the the gang warfare that you had planned right was no longer relevant. And as a character, as a person like me, out of character, I was like, okay, if if I was pretending I was dumb and then it was no longer relevant, I would tell people. And I felt like I was trying to like. It, would be, it was almost becoming an old joke. Like, it was something that was kept being repeated. Like, oh, he's stupid, he's stupid. So I was like, let me just change things a little bit. And we kind of talked about that a little bit, too. But from, from his perspective, he was like, okay, there's, there's a lot of demons around. We can't defeat them. That's what I felt like. Let's just... So you were thinking, cut off the head of the snake, and hopefully that would solve everything. So again, right. I'm not saying you guys shouldn't have attacked the king, but I didn't plan on it. And my only thought, like, the only way to me that made sense, well, if you attack the king, he's going to kill you all. Because he essentially was Superman at that moment. He had two bracelets on. He, he was Superman. You would all die. Is I had to reveal that he was Zane's brother. So, and that was how, okay, I won't kill you because he's my brother. So, but that escalated the story. Because I had the whole thing about Jalzia, the underground tiefling organization. Like, that was cool. planned. So that was part of the demon hunting thing, is they were going to recruit you into their organization. And you would be part of them. And learn all this other stuff. So when it just so we really just we started taking huge leaps. Like we started skipping over big parts that you thought were going to be drawn out and last really a long time. And, I, and that goes back to one of my first original sayings that you you don't know what your players are going to do. I mean, it's, essentially, it's like we're writing a first draft novel together. Normally, you go back and rewrite three or four times, yeah. and I'll go, okay, they 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 attacked the king too quick. I need to pull that back. You can't do that in the game. If you guys decide, hey, we're going to go kill somebody. You're you're going to go kill them. Um, so did, I, you, did you feel that – well, I have two questions. One of them is a simple one. One of them is more complex. When we attacked the king, as a cinematic thing, he grabbed the demon and killed him. Grexel felt, and I guess I felt that, that way too, that his power came from sacrificing demons, and that's how his bracers got more powerful, and that's why he couldn't be killed. Was that a cinematic thing for you, or was it relevant somehow to the bracers? It, both, but not in that way. That was to let you know that he knew they were demons. And he could kind of like and he had power powerful. over okay. them. Okay, that was a simple one. The complicated one is, did you feel as a DM that... Sometimes what I find myself doing is, if I have an idea and I think it's, a, it's relevant, it's cool, people will enjoy it, even if they stay away, I will kind of like... It's kind of like the room teleports, if that makes any sense. Like, the cool room was on the left. They went on the right. Well, guess what? The cool room is on the, on the right, right now. Did you feel that, like, when we attacked the king or when we, like, when we start kind of, like, going away from your ideas, did, did you feel weird to kind of push us back? Yeah, well, and... Because, like, as an example with the, with the king, you have, you have said, everybody's coming after us, but somehow in the sewers, you kind of like fudge the numbers or however you, you would say it. And we get away, and then we're like, oh my God, this was so close, there's no way we can kill this guy. Looking back, that would have made more sense for the Jalzia underground terrorist group to find you right then and be like, this way, and then have the king not find you. That would have made it a lot easier. But at, but at the time, yeah. yeah, I made a decision. That's We talked a little bit about that last time, is that I think as a DM, it's okay sometimes to say time out. Like, I probably should have said, I need 10 minutes and go out, you know, drink a Coke and think about, okay, you guys attacked the king. What should happen next? Because I was so focused on trying to tell a coherent story that when you guys thought back on it, would go, okay, that makes sense. That makes sense. That makes sense. There's no holes. Then I'm like, okay, well, what would happen if they attacked the king? This is what would happen that I didn't think of any other options. You know, that, that would have made a lot better story. It would have helped me keep it small if the king couldn't find you. Jalzia, that would introduce that at that point. That would have been a much better solution, but I just didn't think of it. And yeah. I went ahead and said this is what happened before I thought about it. So, And then, you know, there's obviously other little points and things like I uh, we talked about Alicia being pregnant. Like, that was something I 
when I when I created your guys' characters and both having sex with her, that was in my head like, well, it would be funny if they got pregnant and they didn't know whose it was. Um, so when we decided to stay with the game, that was one of the things I wanted to do. But as Evan said, it, we went from playing The Sopranos to Days of Our Lives. You know, we went from, <laughs> you know, drama to melodrama right away because you got baby mama situation and I two guys. I, it didn't feel like it was that melodramatic. I mean, it was... It was a question. I didn't think so either. I didn't, did I say yeah, that? Yeah, you said that. You said we went from playing The Sopranos to playing Days of Our Lives because of, <laughs> because of melodrama. And, or melodrama. And the thing is, what I was trying to do was I was trying to give your characters skin in the game because Devin's point, it was kind of Zane's story. Pretty much everything was revolving I around kept, Zane. I said a few times in the beginning that I really... You didn't necessarily was, want it to be about you all the time. Well, I, was, I kept saying that I hope that you come up with a something in the game that gives these two just as much buy into the story as I have. So like I was I was always hoping that something like he would find out something about his past that tied into my brother uh or that made him want to get my brother and have this chip in the story other than He's just been following me around this whole time. But see, for me, from from Grixel's perspective, he had the loyalty to Grexel because we were together. You mean Zane? To, sorry, Grexel and Zane. We were together for a while, doing things together, in-game and part of our history, right? So that, there was that attachment of, like, I want to be there for a friend. And the other thing was, when the entire world is conquered by demons, you kind of do have skin in the game because you're like... I don't want my child to be raised like that. I don't want to be dealing with demons because obviously that's bad. So Grexel in in Act 3, like you said, he felt involved because he was like, no matter what I do, this is affecting me. You know, if there was like one demon king, whatever, but if the entire city, 10% of the city is demons plus all the guards, that will follow you no matter where you go. At at that point, you know, our choice could have been like, okay, this is full of demons, we're just leaving. Well, and that was one of the other decision points is I when, I, when you guys came back to town and you found out that Graydon was captured, I wanted that to become like an Ocean's Eleven heist where you broke him out of prison. Like that was, that's what I saw happening next. And then we just, we didn't quite get to that point, but that's what I wanted to have happen was you guys rescue Graydon. And then you guys were going to go to the Dwarven city and meet his dad. And essentially then his dad would say, okay, I sent your brother to do this, but what you're telling me he's doing is not what I told him to do. So essentially your brother was crazy. So he took your dad's plan and made it his own sort of. So your dad did send him back to try to stop things, but not involving demons. Um, Do you think that the reason why we didn't go that way was because you gave us too many days between the execution I don't know. I don't Because I remember during those times, I was kind of counting the days because I was like, this is important because we need to have enough days to do this. And if we fail, I was thinking we need to give ourselves enough of a buffer that we can try again. Mm -hmm. I'm trying to remember when I jumped the whole being in the the mines or whatever that was Well, you guys wanted to go check out the pit. And that's where the king showed up. And we attacked and that's him. when you decided, because the whole point of that was I wanted you oh, yeah, guys and to that's see that, when that it was a jump. giant demon portal so that you knew, like, the, that was supposed to just be, like, future, like, the stakes. Like, this is what's going to happen. It wasn't, originally wasn't going to happen right away. It was, like, months and months and months away, so you had plenty of time. But I wanted you to know that that was the stakes. But then, again, when you attacked him, I just, I should have said, time out. Let me think about this. What would be the right solution? And the one I picked kind of forced you down another path. And it just, in trying to keep things exciting and keep things going, I just kept raising the stakes and the time. And, and I don't know. It, it got away from me. I mean, honestly, that's all it is. It's just like writing the first draft of a novel. There are things that if I could go back, I think I could change. I think I could actually write a really good story based off what happened. But this one just kind of got away from me. I thought the beginning was great. I thought the middle was really good. The ending just, I, I was ready for it to be over. And that's one of the other things I want to talk about, and you guys can, can jump in more here, is that last game... I tried really hard to make it cinematic. Like, I did a lot more just talking than you guys didn't do a whole lot of dice rolls. And then when you told me what you wanted to do, a lot of times it just happened. Like, I was trying to let you guys feel successful and rewarded. And then just sort of, I just kind of basically told you what happened. Like, there was no dice rolls. Like, we, we went through 
travel, time travel, finding your parents, kidnapping your parents, time travel again, and all. It was just me talking, and I was just because I thought it would be. I didn't see the point in rolling for stuff. It would just it would drug it out longer. Yeah. But as a whole, what did you guys think about that game? Just in like the techniques I used, rolling versus not rolling. Like, was there any good, bad, and different? Did you did you guys even notice that there was a difference in what I was doing? I noticed that you were just. It felt like you were just trying to rush to the end. Okay. At the end, yeah. but that I mean, I was ready for that. But though. I was ready. I was for ready too. for it to kind of go into okay, this is what you decided to do, and here's what happens instead of playing out. I don't know. Like I wasn't looking forward to playing out. Like I wasn't looking forward to trying to kidnap your dad and your brother back in time, and yeah, all that extra. So stuff. basically, they when they when they came up with a plan, it just worked, and I just narrated. You did it, you did it, you did it, it's done. Like, I didn't really, there were no roles, there was no drama. It was just, once you decided on a course of action, that, I just kind of ended it. And one of the things I do as a DM is I try to gauge the table. When we're playing, if I see someone getting bored, I try to do something for their character. If I see this person's not having fun with their character, I try to change it. And I was reading the table that you guys were ready for that game to be over. Like, I didn't, I didn't come to the table last week going, okay, we're going to end the game. But I could just tell, at least I felt like I could, that that's what we needed to do, and it just sort of worked out that way. Since I wasn't there, there was a discussion for about an hour of trying to figure out what they wanted to do, right? Yes. What was the player's general feel? Like, when you guys were thinking about this, were you, like, it seems like after you made the decision, you're like, oh, there goes this game. But did you feel that way when you were trying to figure out what you wanted to do for that hour that you were discussing things? Well, the big holding yeah. point was his brother killing or not killing Everyone else was on board with killing him. He wanted to come up with a solution that didn't involve killing him. So that, that really the whole discussion was how do, we, how do we do that? How do we not kill him? How do we not kill him and then still succeed? From happening? So it was like a theoretical time travel problem. If we go here, does that work? Okay, if we go here and here, does that work? There's a lot of headaches. and <laughs> There were some napkins and nosebleeds. Because from my perspective, when you called me to come, like, tell me what's happening and if I wanted to go along or not, it felt like the decision was already made. If I said no, I would be just getting the way and they wouldn't even be able to talk to me, talk right. me into it or out of it or whatever. So I, I felt... Plus, I wasn't in a role-playing mindset because obviously I wasn't role-playing. But it felt to me, I was like, I might as well say yes because if I ask any questions, it's just going to slow the thing down. And we've already been thinking about it for an hour. So I might as well just go along with it. And, and right when you said goodbye, I knew the game was going to end. Because I was like, well, th- that's it. What else can you do? Yeah. I, like, I the only way you could have stopped that, by the way, would be if they went to the tower and the tower wasn't there. Then they couldn't time travel, and they kind of like whole plan falls apart. But then they just wasted an hour talking about something that they couldn't do right. anyways. Yeah, I think you. There's when people write movies, there are different stories invoke different reactions and emotions from the people that are watching them. And I think we had a movie. I think we went into that last session. And I was, and we were planning on what we were going to do and how we were going to solve this. And I think one of my first thoughts, and which my one of my first thoughts and an, a reoccurring thought that probably started to get me like emo, kind of emotionally checked out was that like there's really no good solution to this. And I kept thinking that over and over. Or I shouldn't say good. I should satisfying right there's really no satisfying end to this it's it's kind of like you know in die hard you come out of die hard like all pumped up and like great because you know he the cop what's his name uh bruce willis bruce willis (laughs) but his character's name john mcclain is running around the building killing all the bad guys saves his wife the cop that's helping him is fine like nobody none of the good guys die all the bad guys are dead, saves the day, comes out, and you walk, you're done with that movie, and you're like, that was fucking awesome! <laughs> Compared to, like, Saving Private Ryan, awesome movie, but in the end, everyone dies. Everyone is killed trying to fu- save this one person, and yeah, he makes it out alive, but you're like, fuck, everybody died! Right. Like, it's a horrible, choked up, ending, right. you know, ending, that it's a good ending, but... 
it's not satisfying. You don't, you don't go out on a high note. No, no. And I feel like that's just how that story had to be. Right. Well, it, and, and again, I know we're jumping around, but, but one of the things, again, when I started that game, we had discussed it beforehand, as I wanted to do an open sandbox game that was whatever you guys wanted to do, I would just stay in front of it. Now, that's not something I do a lot of, obviously, so maybe my skill at it isn't great. Uh, but I wanted. I wouldn't you, say that. I thought you did a really good but job. Did you guys feel like you had freedom? Did you feel like stuff happened because of what you were doing, or did you feel like I was pushing you in directions? I don't feel at any point you put down the Michael Hammer and said, no, that's not happening. I mean, you just... I feel like you you did push us in directions, but not because... But it was our choice. Like the th- If we did that, it was clearly just a, not a smart move to make, so... But if you think about it, what, what choice did you make that you felt Mike was leading you? No, I didn't... It, no, that's not... Not leading, but kind of... But I did feel... A boundary? No, like... No, because when, not- when we went to his hideout and i was like this is the one place we're going to be safe and when we got there you were like all right there's tracks everywhere and people have been here and 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 i went that was me and then i thought okay well there's clearly absolutely no place we can go in the city so i feel like by making that decision by you making that decision to show us that people had already been there that then pushed my decision to, to be like, well, okay, we got to go. Right. It wasn't a – you didn't do it with the in, with intent. Right. It, I mean, it's all about the intent, and you didn't do it with the intent. But so, so my goal for this story is to do it more of a regular game where, as I, was, I think I mentioned this last time, is I want the game to be more of a game than a story. Because I was so focused on the story before. I wanted to be a cool story. I wanted to be mysteries. And, and I would do things like, for example – I think I mentioned this last time, the, the tracks you found in that room was a setup to your old characters because they were there first because the Jalzia people had hidden them there because they were helping them to go through the portal. So I just wanted it to be a callback that later you'd be like, oh, I bet that's what that was. Like It was just like a little throwaway line in a book. But again, it made a huge difference in what you guys did for something for me that was like a throwaway line. Uh, so the new game, I want it to be more of a normal you know, monster of the week. You, you have clear goals clear direction just more of a traditional D game with you're going to have more of those satisfying moments where it's more of a you know structured game rather than just whatever you want to do and i'll make up stuff but i'm kind of interested to see how that will work coming from a game where you had total freedom to a game where there's going to be some rails that you guys are going to be on just to keep the story going in, the, in a certain direction see what i find interesting is as a dm you end up experimenting a lot and some experiments you like some parts of it others, others you don't because it's interesting you say this because for this game and I think I, I actually remember telling you that I kind of wanted to make more classic D&D type of feel because I tried some experiments and they didn't work very well at least in my opinion so I felt like okay this time I'll just go old school because you have more experience doing old school because that's what usually what you start playing with. Right. So then you're more comfortable doing things. Plus, by being able to control the story a little bit more aggressively, you kind of don't get surprised as much. Therefore, you don't have to make decisions on the fly. Right. Which it seems like that's what kind of got you. So now you're trying to avoid that. Right. And, again, I may be going overcorrecting the other way. So I'll, I'll want you guys to give me feedback. Am I, am I doing too much of that? But I think, as I told Evan, is I was really focused on the last story being good. I want this time the game to be good. Like, well, I want you guys to come each, each night and be like, I can't wait till we play. And when we get done playing, I want you to go, I can't wait to come back. Where most of this game was, I have no idea what's going to happen. That was kind of cool, but uh, there's not that drive to so come I, back. I, I kind of disagree. So I, we've played multiple campaigns together. Um, there was the campaign that Nick was there and Mike that had the, the, the one that was, he had a birthmark on his butt or whatever. Yeah, that was funny. That campaign, I found myself thinking, what am I supposed to do? I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing. This campaign, it felt more like, which choice do I want to make? Which is a slight difference, but at least I knew I had choices. And depend, are we leaving the town or not? That's a choice. And then things happen. In the campaign that I mentioned before where Nick was playing and everybody else, that campaign I was like, 
I'm not sure what my goal is or what I want to do at all. Right. So I don't even know where I want to go. So right. I Nick, actually like want to jump more, in. But oh, go ahead. Just, just um, this goes. But Travis and I were discussing on the way out of here. Uh, the difference for me is an analogy. Like um, you were talking about open world, non rails. Like in video games, for me, um, I almost like when it becomes like a sandbox, like a Grand Theft Auto or something like that. It almost just I freeze with an indecision because for you me, have I have to. It's like, oh, there's too much to do. Um, I want to be doing everything. I've got to do every nook and cranny. I've got to do this and that. And it becomes just overwhelming. Whereas sometimes it does, for me anyway, it's funneling it down and getting down to the nitty gritty. And, okay, here's your your clear-cut choices. Maybe it's just... It's like an MMO, right? You want to do every single quest on, in the town, yeah, yeah. and you get overwhelmed. Because you're like, I'm which too one much do of first? A, too much of a completionist to be able to, like... <laughs> Focus well, in on. One. I'm the same way. From a video game stem- standpoint, I like that. I like a game like Mass Effect, for example. I love that game where I have the choice: I do this mission or this mission. Yeah. But once I make that choice, I'm locked in to do that yes. mission. I, I'm not, at that point, I can't do anything crazy. Like, okay, I'm going to start here. I want to end here, and I could go this way or I can go this way. But I'm going to end here, and I'm going to kill but everything. It, on but the way. you also feel some decisions they've made earlier on coming back to affect you later. Yes. So uh, who you pick for certain missions. So there definitely is some callback. So in a perfect world, I would agree that's that's kind of what I would want to do with my games where you have choices that matter, but individual game sessions or encounters are more more focused and more you know game-like rather than story-like. I don't know if you've ever played um, The Witcher, not to be getting on the video game. I know of it. I haven't played it. But... It's straight like like I said, GTA can't handle it, but The Witcher is still RPG open world. But it does it's a little more focused. I don't know. Maybe it's the storytelling is just better. I'm probably gonna start playing that tonight. I just got it. I own it on the for my PC. I got that like when I first moved over to my apartment, but for whatever reason, like because they had all those download glitches, Mm -hmm. and mine would never download. And I spent thirty five bucks on that game and could never. Are we play speaking it. of The Witcher one or two? two. I think it's two. One yeah. is worth try- checking out, but you definitely it's definitely not necessary to enjoy the second one. But they they're at a point now where they've that company in particular I'm very fond of because they they push the whole no DRM. Uh, they don't. They're all about updating free patches and content for free, never charging anything. But the, everything now is the enhanced edition where they've fix the combat everything's tightened up and the glitches are pretty much ironed out so. yeah i don't it wouldn't even download on my game it made me so mad yeah and look at what we've turned into talking about <laughs> yeah. so that nick and rob moment yeah. brought to you by nick and rob yeah. Yeah. i carried that on a little bit I, I gave up sponsored on, by I gave, the witcher i gave up on borderlands 2 for five months and traded it in because one stupid quest was literally a quest for bugs was bugged out um and then <laughs> ironic I, Ended up buying it again just because right. I, I could get through it. Anyway. So, at the end of the day, though, I thought that that campaign started off, it was probably my favorite that I've ever played. I thought you guys did fantastic with your characters. I thought the story started off small and was interesting and intimate. And there were some there were some cool mysteries that were always in the background in my head that I thought were really cool. And I just think it got away from me. And I thought I do actually think Travis, you weren't there long enough, Nick. I thought Travis did a great job of incorporating your character into the group because the way it happened, there really wasn't that whole trust you, not trust you thing. Um, so I just actually think you did a really good job of just making sure that you were part of the group and you you joined in right away. And I thought you did a good job with that. Did you have something? Though? Yeah. So I know when, since I did jump in the middle of the game, I didn't know this was like a free roam type world. Like I think that's why I was probably a little bit more confused coming in. Because I didn't know we could just do anything. I didn't know this was like your play style for this specific game. So I think that just kind of confused me on the first early couple games I was playing. Because I had no idea that's how you're running it. <laughs> the, the question I wanted to ask is, do you think adding new characters changed the mechanics of the group? Oh, absolutely. 100%. I felt the the game felt different right away when we added in people. And it's not necessarily bad or good, but it was different. And I think that um, I think part of it too is as the story got bigger, the group got bigger, and then you have more people, more personality, more discussion. Where before it was just the three of you, and Zane was the leader. I mean, by the way the game was created, 
he was the leader by default. Now, Omi was kind of an a-hole, and he kind of did his own thing secretly. Grexel was a spy, so you did your kind of thing in, you know, secretly. But within the moment, Zane pretty much told you guys what to do, and you did it. Not really. In theory. It was a lot of arguing. And um, but we still went your way, if you think about it. If you yeah, think about the decisions we made. Yeah, but he just, I'm king. just talking about the way he just made it sound. Like, <laughs> Zane gave you a command and you followed it. That's yeah, well, it way. wasn't like that. But, but as the group got bigger, there was more voices. And I think it did slow the game down at a point, And it just changed it. Like, it, it was literally like, like in a sitcom where you, you know, the, the show's starting to get stale. So they add in a kid. It's like, hey, do we really need that kid? And it just it changes. Fonzie things. jumping the shark. Yeah, yeah Fonzie jumped the shark. It so jumped yeah, the Ralph. I know. do think it felt very different. Now, so because we're getting a little bit long, I know some people have to go, but I want to talk a little bit about just because the reason we started this was a D and D next play test. So I want to talk a little bit about just the, the next rules, what you guys like, don't like, what you guys think, and then I also want to talk just quickly about some of the mechanics as far as like. Even having the initiative cards on the the, the screen, some, just some of the way like the the mechanical techniques that we were using, what we liked or didn't like. Yes, sir. Just to go back and talk, or this is mechanic, but what threw me off at first was before I had played, we were always had the grids and the miniatures, and it threw threw me off when I had been listening to a few of the podcasts. And I had an idea that it you had gotten moved away from that and gotten into just. Um, Theater Talking, of the mind. Yeah, theater. Of the, yeah, that, that was the phrase, and I was a little weirded out. But at first, it was like, okay, well, that was something. I'm more of a visual person, and I was like, uh, I don't know what I'm going to be doing, you know. But as it worked out, I, I think I honestly got instead of being locked into and more focused on what was happening on the board and like, oh, okay, well, you know, spending time drawing it out and this and that. I in my just think imagining it going on was actually. So like when, you, when you think back to that last game with the demons erupting from inside those bodies and the wave of people being pushed, yeah. do you see that in your head like yeah, a no, movie? Yeah, no, I mean, like, it was more of a, you know, just like when you're reading a book, you know, you have to come up with it yourself. It's not watching it. There's a difference between, you know, mo- the book and the movie. You know, most people enjoy the book better. I mean, you're always going to have those oddballs, but... <laughs> I do really like it. I'd say yeah. I, we I we like played with many Grexel fighting in the arena that. like that, that that was cool. I said I like movies better. <laughs> oh, movies. I, I hate books. Th- I mean, uh, yeah, every once in a while you feel like sitting back and enjoy, you know, you might want to pop out the the, the squares you know. Well, yeah, I was wondering about that because I mean, you didn't you play with more without the map because we only had a couple sessions with him but you were always played with the map before Travis yeah, so what yeah. did you think about doing mapless and meaningless it, it was definitely a different transition but uh like Nick said I like it more as well but I wouldn't say it's comparing a book to a movie I'd say it's comparing a book to playing with like some G.I. Joe toys or something because <laughs> there's not special effects and stuff going on a grid map you don't have many explosions and stuff so it's like playing with toys compared to reading a book I ended up enjoying it a lot more than I thought. Me yeah. too. I mean, because when I started a long time ago, we did that. Uh, you know, that's just the way you played. And then when you got to the maps and minis, it's so easy. And there's a very tactical part of the game that we do miss playing this way. But for me, I like it better without the maps. I think there's definitely a transition because when we went from grid to non-grid, it took me a game or two to get used to the past, which is what I was used to to begin with but it felt like suddenly i was like wait uh, where am i i'm I'm supposed to go behind them so we can you know so both of us can attack like one from the front one from the back right and and i'm sure there's different dm styles and that's something that we'll get used to i'm actually really excited about gen con for that as i want to see a bunch of different dms but you know i think i'm a very forgiven dm when it comes to that stuff and you're like can i flank yeah, and then uh, it doesn't matter if it you're is, 35 or 40 feet away. Not, yeah. not to rag on past whatever, and I'm not going to say anything, but it's nice not to have maybe, you know, five rules Nazis and just like with the theater of the mind thing, just letting things happen, not necessarily working it. I mean, we can work the mechanics into it. Um, we have the skills. Okay, what would you like to do as opposed to, okay, what's going to work and this and that, you know, what – I mean, still picking the best thing for the situation, but... The impetus for this, um, and I'll get to Travis, and this is something Evan and I talked about. Obviously, with the podcast, we talk about this stuff a lot, is that when we would think back to the games that we played before, in my mind, I saw us sitting at the table, you know, and, like, moving the pieces around the board like a chessboard. I think you used that exact analogy. Where now, when I think back to the games, it's more like a movie where I see the stuff 
yeah. in the head, and I think that's the difference. Not so focused on just, yeah, thinking back to it, okay, what do I remember most about coming here? I remember the, the, the grid. grid and board. And there know? probably was a time where you'd see like somebody would do this. they go, one, two, three, four. Mm-hmm. No, I can't do that. Okay. Was yeah, I here? Was I here? Okay. It's sitting there so micromanaging. One, two, three, you know, four. Your... Okay, yeah, this is where I want to go. And yeah. there's nothing cinematic. And I'm not saying that's a bad way yeah. to role play, because if you're a tactical minis guy, yeah. that's fun. And I could even still want... Why having I, my cardboard cut out, it's like, oh, where's my spell going to hit? Yeah. Is it gonna, this, this, and that. You know, I signed up for a 4E game at Gen Con. I'm kind of excited about playing a tactical game again. But all in all, most it has of the time, place. Yeah. I would rather play Theater of the Mind, where it's a lot more cinematic. And, you know, for me, combat's only a small part of the game, so I don't want to spend 15 minutes trying to find the best place to cast a spell. I want you to cast your spell and then move on. So anyways, Travis, you were saying? Uh, getting away from the minis, I think it takes away less from the numbers type combat but allows you to be more creative in your solutions like because you're not like do i want to move four spaces here you're like well can i cast this spell which does this crazy thing now i'm on the roof shooting down arrows you know you think really outside the box when you take out the grid and the board for for you guys did you we we discovered this the first time we played this game it was dnd next and made men was the first real campaign we played on it uh, did you guys feel that you focus less on your character seat and more into doing things? Because that's kind of how we felt when we first played this game. And I wanted to see if you guys had the same experience coming in later. Like, did you find yourselves looking at your character seat and saying, okay, I have these spells, which one do I want to cast more, which one do I like more, which one will do more damage? Or were you more like, I would like to run up to this guy and do something? It was definitely like that. I really didn't have much going on with having developed that character it was basically mike and then i threw on a few things at the obviously right at the last minute i'll i'll say that uh we probably played that game for i think nine months somewhere around there um i could grab zane's sheet and there's still stuff on there that i don't know what it does (laughs) like i don't know what it means and i don't know what this feat does and stuff like that because I never cared. Like I wasn't concerned with all his abilities. That was it was a it was a decision making game. It was, you know, what are we gonna do about this? It wasn't how it wasn't like how am I gonna what abilities and am I gonna use to kill this monster? It was I it just never mattered to me. Right. I wasn't I just wasn't wrapped up in it. To me, I mean, the a difference seeing this in 4E, that being the only other one I've had a lot of experience with, the, here it seemed that everything I had is was situational but has had its place, whereas before it was like, okay, clearly these dailies trump these encounters, which trump these at-wills. It was like, okay, when am I going to blow my load and use these certain things? Whereas here it was like, okay, well, there's... They're all good, just in different situations, and you know, getting to cho- pick and choose, and maybe even using the same thing two or three times. Yeah. I think what, what, kind of what Nico's talking about is we found early on that the, the the players were making decisions for their character based on what their character would do, yes, not what was the most not being statistically hards um, and or just is this the statistically best thing to do? Like I'll do this spell because I'll do th- three more damage versus yeah. this spell. It's and like I, I think I'm getting away, away from the, getting away from the minis did free that up like yeah. okay thinking about doing a backflip down a hole i wouldn't have you know but before the it was like okay thing. am i moving there you know where are these guys around me right. and but i do and again i think my dm style though where i, I, I consider it up forgiving is i because i want you to do those things so i'm going to let you succeed more than not but i still might add complications i think yeah. that's a great example i, I got much do, i got to I do the cool backflip yeah, it didn't end up you know exactly how i wanted it right. to you, I, i'll let you do this really cool thing but what it did was put a demon down in the hole that you then had to fight later. <laughs> yeah, yes, so yes. it was super cool, but there's also a complication to it. Do you have something, Rob? Uh, yeah, I was going to say what you guys were just talking about there just a second ago. That's, I think, that uh, not making the most strategically best thing, but doing what your character would do. I feel like I, I totally lost that with Omi. When I quit doing drugs... And quit having to lie to everybody. Just, uh, just took all the fun out of it. Yeah. But but no, that's that was like the fun thing. Like, and we were rolling dice to see if I was going to well, be able to, to control to not do my yeah, your addiction. get a hit for the day or well, that, whatever. That was taking you know, away the, all the that, maniac out of Mike's last character. All Omi's the overdose was a highlight of the game to me. Yeah, I thought that was a great session. 
uh, listened back to that on Made Men. I thought it's fantastic. I felt bad for Rob because you pretty much got hosed that whole night. I you, sat. I sat here. You, I think you the had the best night. moment, but you had no interaction. You basically were being carried around like the whole night. But for a story wise, it was an awesome moment. You know what I miss most about this game? Bacon strips. Bacon strips. That T-shirt is available on Cafe Press, by the way. Is it? Yeah. Is it not big seller? Uh, no. <laughs> uh, I will be buying one for for Gen Con, and that will be a total of uh, one that has been sold. <laughs> I might check it out. You might get another one. Awesome. Fantastic. I make like a dollar on those, so just so you know. I can just give you <laughs> You submit the design, and they... Uh, yeah, it's, just, it, yeah, it's it. like a third-party vendor. So there's a, basically anything made men or D&D Next you can get... Or to Dean the Academy, you can get mugs, T-shirts, uh, actually, yeah, I, buttons. I had seen it before, but then I had trouble finding. It's the, really hard to find on there because they, they don't have an ampersand, so you have to put D N D, or actually just put D D, oh, okay. and you will find our stuff faster. So, but anyways, this isn't a commercial. But if you want to buy stuff, I get a dollar. <laughs> All right, so expectations for the next game. You know, the whole like start, stop, continue. What can I do for this next game? that you guys will like or what should I stop doing that you didn't like about like start stop continue for the next game what do you want to make sure what should I make sure I do and what should I make sure I don't do to keep the game fun don't feel obligated to move us in like how uh, Travis said big strides like the game just started the last game just started it was just one giant movement after the next don't worry about that. Keep it small because we'll still have. Then we're the ones adding in the color. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, it does. It, like you guys, because that's something you guys did early on really well. Is the the things that were happening were small, but you were filling in the spaces. Right. You know, like that very first scene was in a like a little herbalist shop or something, and like a little five minute battle. But that turned into like a thirty minute encounter. But most of it was you guys being your characters, not tactically fighting. Right. Uh, and I really like that. So what else? Don't Good. kill any of us. <laughs> You're allowed to kill people. I, I didn't. There were no deaths. There were no PC deaths in that game. No. Omi tried to kill himself. Yeah, he almost died from an overdose. Um, which brings up my point. Don't do drugs. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> drugs, bad. They do make you fun and cool, but don't do them. If you want to have sex with a lot of women <laughs> and have nights you don't remember. I think... I think um, you're, uh, you're, I think you could make your story a little less complex, and we would never know it. <laughs> well, I guess oh, yeah, yeah, that's, that's what I'm saying. Like, like you know, small world, um, and we're the ones. It could be pretty linear, and if the presentation is right, we'll feel like there. There were a lot of things that are, I did. That were for me that apparently messed things up, like the little thing in the room that was just a throwback. And there's there was so much stuff going on with that game that never really surfaced. Like I said, I could have left it out. You guys never would have known, and the game probably would have been better for it. Part of that is me as a storyteller, is I enjoy that. That's like that's some of the fun that I get out of the game. How you get your rocks? Is it, that's how I get my rocks off? Is doing those things, so I can't get rid of them completely. And I know you say you think about the game all the time. All the time. And I know you're probably like, you know, between each, like you have an overall story of pretty much what the whole story is. But then in between each week, I'm sure you're thinking like, I could throw this in next game, and this would be really cool. Or I could throw this in too, and I could right. throw this in. And the, you know, this and this and this. And then it, 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 keeps, it keeps piling up. Well, and the other thing is, too, and we mentioned, I think, on the earlier podcast, is that that allows me to make connections and see connections that aren't obvious to you guys. Because I'm thinking about the game so often that I'm like, oh, that, that does make sense. That I'm, like, I'm putting it together after an hour's worth of analysis that you guys will never do. So you're not going to make the same connections. So that's just the reality. I'm not saying you should or you shouldn't. But, yeah, I, I put these connections together, and I, like, work backwards, and I think, well, what could that mean? Um, you know, if I do this, what does that mean type of a thing? Um, and if you guys aren't putting that time in, which I don't expect you to, then you're, you're going to miss out. Like, like, I guess I'm in a long way saying the story can be less complex, and you guys aren't going to notice. So, all right. So, um, Travis and Nick had to run. So, you guys have anything else as far as D&D Next about – the game anything you want to talk about as far as because again the point is to help other people learn from our experiences 
Is there a, is something out there for a new DM starting a first campaign using D&D Next, good, bad, and different that they should do, not do? We're all blankly staring at each yeah. other. <laughs> I, you know, I, I don't think so. I, not any that I can think of off the top of my well, head. So like, as far it's, as like the ratio of how much combat you guys did to role-playing to problem-solving to exploration... Now, were there nights where you wish you would have fought more, wish you would have fought less? I think I, I pretty much always wish I would have fought more. Yeah. You know, but I had, that's just I, had me. A, a I think I had it one night not too long ago in a Made Men, and I didn't roll the dice once, and I didn't even really get to do anything, and I wasn't dead. <laughs> and, uh, and, I, and I remember just leaving, and I was like, well, that was ex- that, I was really dissatisfied because there was, like... I didn't have any interaction, really, or... But, I mean, that's, I guess, just the way that, you know, the cards fell that was night. That, but. Was that due to plot reasons, or were you having an off night? Because sometimes the game cannot be as good because you, as a person, are not having a good day. Oh, no, this was, uh, I think, a plot reason. I wasn't having a good night the very night, the last night, the last anyway, night. the yeah. last time. But I ended up having a fun time, though, by the, I mean, enjoyable night. All right. So, what about you, Nico? More or less? I, I I I was actually really happy with the encounter with the campaign, and I think maybe because I wasn't in the last game, I have a more positive perception of the whole campaign. Um, I think overall, as, as a general advice, is you have to figure it out if your your group likes love combat. A lot of role playing or a little bit in between, and and chances are some people will like a lot of combat and some people will like a lot of role playing. So you kind of have to do both. I try to have at least one battle per campaign per per session, just to have people do something. However, I have the opposite problem that you have, which is I make people roll skill rolls all the time, even for menial things, which is kind of what I'm trying to do fixed in this game. If you guys remember, I was I was saying how how I'll roll like some I'll make some rolls beforehand so you can just flow better. Right. So don't make them roll too many times, but don't make them not roll at all because then you can have somebody yeah. like Rob to feel that he yeah. didn't so do anything. So do you feel that satisfaction if it's not combat, but it is things like skill checks and, you know... Yeah, I mean, I like the things that are on my sheet, my background, my skills, my specialties. I want to use them. I mean, I know that I didn't really use them on my last character, but, you know, I, I don't know. I, if I have it, I want to use it. Sure. No, I understand that. And I think one of the things that I was trying to do is I was trying to balance more of the overall story rather than each session, which, again, is something I'm going to try differently this time is, like, I want each session to have role-playing, exploration, mystery, and combat. Like, I really want to make sure that I hit everything at least a little bit. And some games mm-hmm. might be every game? all combat. Yeah, like every session be a little bit of everything rather that's, than... That's sometimes it's hard. Like, it's a good example of the first game that we played in my new campaign, Jared made an extremely social character. Yeah. But because I wanted to kind of give some background history to you guys, there was basically a combat that ended up being much longer because you guys got stuck through what I consider a simple puzzle to overcome, which happens, you know, it is what it is. So in that situation, I kind of felt bad for Jared because he was a super social character that didn't have a lot of combat skills in a combat situation. Right. So sometimes your character or the game itself, based on what the players are doing, you might, be, you might get screwed. Right. And I think that's the challenge. I mean, the DMing's not easy. It's not the most difficult thing in the world, and I think most people could do it. But to do it really well it takes a lot of time and effort. And, you know, that was, that was supposed to be a quick encounter, and it, and it didn't happen that way, and I understand that. But trying to find a way to say, okay, I know Evan likes combat, Rob likes combat. Nick is more interested in role play. Travis wants to solve a mystery. And Nico just wants to interact with everybody. How can I design an encounter that does all that? So that you have things to kill. Maybe there's a puzzle being solved right at the middle. And then there's like a role play element. So that they're all kind of happening at the same time. It's hard to come up with those levels. Especially for every single session. Yeah. But we are playing every other week. So that gives us a little bit more time in between sessions. So, I don't know. We've probably already gone more than, more than an hour, so I think we're going to have to cut some stuff out anyway. So, again, any last words, wisdom, thoughts? All right. No. Well, this has been Michael, Nico, and Rob, Evan. And we'll see you next time.
Peace. Yay! subscribe to future ones on iTunes. If you have a suggestion for a topic, we'd love to hear it. Email your ideas to podcast at dndacademy.com and you can connect with us on Twitter at dnd underscore academy. As always, thanks for listening and remember, if you're having fun, you're doing it right. <laughs>